Hi, this is Kirsten Beyer, and you're listening to The Captain's Table. Welcome to The Captain's Table. Welcome to the Captain's Table, where we explore the stories that have shaped Star Trek in words. My name's Roslyn, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ros. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Just uh, busy, busy as always, but very glad to be back for another episode of the Captain's Table. Oh, definitely. And and we've got a good show this evening because we're reviewing one of our favourite stories. Yes, it's another of the Voyager books, so get ready, listeners, for a little bit more gushing about Kirsten Beyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, considering we just had the brilliant interview with Kirsten Beyer, it's great to jump back into another Voyager story, and it was just so wonderful, Kirsten, saying how much she enjoyed our last review. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's such a thrill for us to have these authors take the time to come on our show, but it's even more thrilling when they then turn around and say that they've enjoyed it and that they think that we're doing a good job. So it's lovely to get that sort of feedback. Oh, no, it was. We we were certainly going bright red. I remember when we recorded the interview, we, we were both going really, really red as uh, Kirsten was was praising praising us and and the captain's table. It was just like wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so it's great to jump straight back in. Um, so yes, listeners, we're we're looking at another Voyager book, and we're actually going to be looking at the second of the Voyager relaunch novels, and that is Unworthy. Yeah, as always, we're going to start off with a synopsis of the book, which is generally the blurb from the back cover, and um, we. We'll try not to give away any of the very big spoilers. You know, we won't ruin the twist at the end for you or anything. But there will be some spoilers because we will be talking about the the story and the plot and the characters. So, as always, listeners, if you don't like spoilers, and I can totally sympathise with that, I hate spoilers myself, turn off, go read the book, and then come back and listen to this review. And you can see if you agree with us or if you disagree or you can get back to us with your thoughts. So, here's the synopsis of Unworthy. Freed with a thought, the greatest menace to humanity, the Borg, are gone, absorbed into the Kaliar Gestalt. But are they? Can this deadly menace that's hovered over humanity for decades truly be gone? Might some shadow of the Kaliar remain? The Federation decides that they have to know, and Starfleet is ordered to find out. The starship Voyager leads a fleet into a region of space that has lived in fear of instant annihilation for generations. Home of the Borg, the Delta Quadrant. Afsara Eden, the new captain of Voyager, is charged with getting answers to reach out to possible allies and to resolve old enmities in the Delta Quadrant. The perfection that was given to the Borg was withheld from Seven of Nine. Left behind, she's living a twilight existence, neither Borg nor human, and slowly going mad. The whispers of the collective, comforting murmurs she's always known, are replaced with a voice deep within her that keeps insisting she is Annika Hansen. Chakotay, the former captain of Voyager, offers to help Seven rendezvous with the ships that Starfleet Command has sent into the Delta Quadrant, the probable destination of the mysterious Kaliar. These are not the friendly stars of the Federation, 
the unknown and the unexpected are the everyday. That's a great plot synopsis again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Ros, if we jump straight into the, to the story, what sort of themes stood out for you from, from Unworthy? Well, I think that with this book, as with so many of the other books in various series that follow on from the Destiny trilogy and everything that happened in that, um, it's really this this theme of sort of trauma and dealing with the aftermath and i think it's right that it is taking a few books after um the events of destiny to deal with that because it was universe changing i mean it was absolutely the the biggest thing that has ever happened in in the star trek universe i think so it was never going to be able to be resolved in one novel there was always going to be ongoing fallout and what they've kind of chosen to do which i think has worked brilliantly is that in various different different books they're looking at um various characters and how it's affected each of them in turn or how it's affected a group of individuals um, in each of the books and in this book it just happens to look at some some of the voyager characters and how they're dealing with it so almost like a theme of sort of post-traumatic stress and how in this book in particular Seven are dealing with with what has happened and how her entire world has changed and and everything around her is is no longer as she knew it and she just doesn't know how to cope with this um but equally there are other characters in this book who are, who have been going through changes whether related to destiny or not and they're also dealing with the aftermath so I think one of the major themes running through is is dealing with with the aftermath of your entire world changing. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and in my notes, when I when I was putting my notes together, the the title is is just so relevant. Where quite a few of the main characters are really feeling unworthy, and it's such a great title. And obviously, that's what Kirsten had in mind when 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 she chose that title, but. If we look at Seven, for example, she 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 has a war on three fronts almost uh, within herself, and she's feeling unworthy of being human. She's feeling unworthy of being Borg. She's feeling unworthy of being Kalia, and it's just a roller coaster of a ride for her character. And that and that underlying theme of her being unworthy goes throughout the book, and and I thought that was really good. And we look at Eden. She's feeling it. She's feeling unworthy because can she move on from Captain Janeway's shadow? And and she thinks she's unworthy to Captain Voyager. And we have Jakotay, who again is feeling unworthy to be Captain of Voyager. He feels that everything that had happened in the last book and the death of Catherine has, has made him unworthy to be a Starship Captain again. Um, Tom Paris, he feels unworthy being a First Officer because of the life-changing events that might might fall upon him with Balana. Um, it's just such that underlying theme which really makes this book stand out for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as well that there there is a, a sort of underlying theme of betrayal as well because there are a couple of times in this book where we um, explore the betrayal of a very close um, 
member of your your family or your very close inner circle of friends somebody who you trusted implicitly and who then turns out to not be as they appear or who has lied to you for whatever reasons and that has happened a couple of times throughout this book so it's also looking at the the effect that that has on the relationships and how they either manage to get past that or they don't get past that um, and how they then try to move on and forge ahead with with this new dynamic that's that's appeared between them yeah definitely it, it's it's almost like a family that have gone its separate ways and and have suddenly got back together at a reunion like 10 or 12 years later and 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 have to get to know each other all over again and even though it's a shorter span for the voyager crew they they're just getting to know each other again and and they're learning they're learning new things about each other things that they hadn't known or or considered about their fellow crew members yeah, so I mean, those are some really strong themes um, running throughout this novel. There's certainly a lot packed in. Um, so moving on from the themes and and delving a bit deeper to look at the actual character relationships, I know that there was certainly a few that stood out for me in this book, and I'm, I'm interested to see if you have chosen the same ones, because as I said, there is so much in this book, and there were so many different relationships that that we could have chosen from. I'm just I'm interested to see if we ended up picking the same ones. So what relationships really stood out for you, Michael? Well, one that stood out for me was Seven and Councillor Cambridge. Now, um, I couldn't stand Councillor Cambridge at the beginning of Full Circle, but now I really, really like the character. And like with Jacote in Full Circle, he's done a lot of work with Seven um, but this has become complicated by his attraction for her. Um, and I really enjoyed the interplay between the two as they come to terms with understanding how each other works and Cambridge coping with the fact that he's attracted to Seven so much. Yeah, this was one of the ones that I picked as well because it was just such an interesting combination. They both have such strong personalities and are such sort of um, distinctive characters, but in such different ways. And seeing how um, Kirsten tried to to um, marry those two up, for lack of a better phrase, um, and make make those two personalities work together that was it was really interesting and I think very well written um and to a certain extent the the charm is that they 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 do clash slightly that they do kind of butt up against each other but it makes the dynamic all that more interesting yeah I, I think so and and in some ways Kirsten could have played it quite safe and and perhaps had seven have a relationship with the doctor which many people have wanted for years and years and years but i'm really glad that if seven is to have a relationship it's with a a really um interesting character i'm not saying the doctor's not interesting but a new character someone we don't know much about so has seven is learning about cambridge so are we because we don't know much about him yeah, and it's a lovely way to do that. It's always nice if you can uh, reveal new things about a character without it just feeling forced and as if it's been kind of shoehorned into the the dialogue because you need to know it. Whereas this is a much more natural way for that information to evolve because when you are in those fledgling 
sorry, fledgling moments of a relationship, that is when you're asking all the questions and you're you're really trying to figure out who each each other are. So it, it was nice to have that that revealed bit by bit. No, definitely I agree. So Ros, what was a standout relationship for you within the book? Well, being a big fan of uh, the Harry Tom bromance from Voyager. I um, thought that their relationship in this uh, particular novel was a really refreshing take on it because Harry is having to deal with this betrayal that Tom had told him that Bellana and Morale were dead. And that is obviously a massively traumatic thing for him to have learned and for him to have thought that one of his best friends and and their daughter was dead, and he's gone through the whole grieving process. He's been there to comfort his friend Tom. He's, you know, tried to console him and and be strong for him, and whilst also dealing with his own grief. And then to find out that actually it was all an elaborate lie, and that it it was all to protect a secret. That's like a massive betrayal on on two fronts. It's the betrayal of of being put through that trauma. Um, by somebody that you trusted to to not hurt you that way, but also to find out that you were put through that because they didn't feel that they could trust you to tell you, you know, regardless of how good their intentions were and how how much they felt that even the people that they trusted most in the, most in the world they couldn't tell them because they just couldn't risk it because it was their family. It, it is still a massive betrayal of trust and. And I can under I can completely understand Harry's reaction to the situation and why he is so incredibly hurt by this. So from seeing them go through thick and thin together in the in the show and always be the best of buddies, it was really interesting to see this discord between them and to and to watch how they work through it. Um because it is very hard. I think it's it's harder to come to terms with the betrayal of somebody that you care about deeply and that is so that close to you than it is to be betrayed by somebody that you that you don't know as well or you didn't trust as deeply or who doesn't mean as much to you um so i i really enjoyed that that relationship between tom and harry no i have to agree and i think what's what's really really good is the fact that kirsten has brilliantly placed us the reader as Piggy in the middle, because we've seen these characters for seven years become such great friends. And as you said, it's all torn apart by what Tom and Balana do. And there we are stuck in the middle watching two of our friends basically argue and and fall out together. And it's so emotive the way that Kirsten brings out Harry's feelings because he is, he does feel betrayed. He is upset and the anger he feels towards Tom is just perfectly written. And you can you can tell that this hurt has now affected the way Harry thinks because when there's a saboteur aboard Voyager and the fleet, um, Harry actually thinks that Chakotay could be that person. A few years ago, he mostly would never have thought that. He thought Chakotay couldn't do that sort of thing. But everything that's happened to him, the way his life's been shaken by Tom, he's willing to think that, well, hey, perhaps it is him. Yeah, and it does. It shakes your whole worldview when somebody who's close to you 
um, betrays you that way. So it's it's only natural that his defences would go up and he would then consider that maybe maybe other people in his life weren't as trustworthy as he suspected that they were. So, um, yeah, I, I can totally understand that. I, I That's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about Kirsten's writing, and, and indeed a lot of the other Star Trek novelists, is that although the stories are set in space and the future and it's all sort of sci-fi and fanciful and and there's so much of it that you just suspend belief at the core of it the relationships that they write between these characters are are based in in just natural human reactions that that are totally relatable to us and that's where that's where it draws you into the story i mean the phaser fights and the starships flying around and runabouts going crash landing onto planets and that's all fantastic and it's it's entertaining but the, what really drives the story is the relationships between the characters and and those relationships only hold up if they are based in real reactions and real you know, based on the way that relationships really work, and I, I think that the way that this has been written is just perfect because it's it's how you would react. It is how, you know, we have experience of this in our own lives, and so therefore we we recognise ourselves in it when we read it, and we think, well, yeah, I, t I can totally empathise with with that character. Why wouldn't you be totally hacked off if your best friend turned about and said, actually, my wife and daughter aren't dead? sorry, <laughs> you know, you'd be absolutely furious and you'd be hurt and you wouldn't know what to think and your whole worldview would change. So I just, yeah, I think we, we go on a, a lot about how great these writers are, but it's it's moments like that that really are a testament to just how good they are. No, exactly. Um, you're right. that Kirsten has just really, really hit the ball out of the park with this one because she perfectly understands the emotions that Harry's going through. No, it's really, really good. So following along on the theme of betrayal, because um, we've spoken about this at, at the beginning earlier in the show, um, moving on from the the betrayal from of Harry by Tom, there was also a certain amount of betrayal for Captain Eden from her ex-husband, Admiral Batiste. Now, I'm not going to go too far into what the circumstances of that betrayal are, because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I thought that was very well written as well, and I don't think you can say any more without going into too big a spoiler, but I very much enjoyed the relationship between Eden and her ex-husband Willem. I mentioned this in the last review that we did about Full Circle as well. I just think that it was a very fun way that those two characters have been written um, and that they sort of bounce off of each other. And then you ha just added a whole extra element in this book, um, which I think people will very much enjoy when they read it. So that was one that I picked out as well, was the relationship between Captain Eden and Admiral Bautiste. I... I didn't pick out that relationship, though I do see where you're coming from. But I did pick out Eden, just her as, as, a, as a character, because there's a part in the book where Tom compares Janeway and Eden. And it's a fascinating paragraph. It really, really is, as, as Tom compares the two. And again, Kirsten 
has done so well in creating uh, Captain Eden. She is a great character and she's not simply a Janeway stand-in until, if ever, Janeway returns. So I thought I thought that was really, really good. But no, the character of Eden, I, I thought, was really, really interesting. And as you say, her relationship with her ex-husband is really, really interesting. But just the whole character stood out for me. And for those who haven't read Unworthy, when you do read the book and you do see this comparison, come back to me because it's so well written. It really, really is. One of the other relationships that stood out for me, Roz, was the, not a triangle, but it felt like it was the story of the Doctor, Megan and Reg. Now, again, we don't want to give too much away about these characters because the whole point of our reviews is, yes, we we want to tell the listeners about how much we like these stories. But more importantly, if you haven't read a Voyager book before, we want you to go and pick up the Voyager book. But the relationship between these three characters was really, really interesting because the doctor, the doctor gets hurt in this story and Reg is torn between his love of the doctor and his other commitments. And in between is Megan. And we find out so much about her within this story. And it's just so well written between the three and you really get drawn into their story. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, Reg and the Doctor are always firm favourites with me. And I think that they're both such great characters in their own right. So throwing them into the same sort of plot line is always going to be lots of fun. And then, as you said, throwing in this new character, um, Megan, into the mix and getting to know more about her it just keeps it fresh and interesting so you've got the sort of old firm favorites that you know inside and out um but that are just great fun together and and so interesting to read about and watch the interplay but then you also have this new character who um you get to learn about and who just changes up the dynamic a bit so yeah i really i enjoyed that as well um, and what I really loved about the character of Megan was that, again, Kirsten has written the character so subtly that it's not till you get towards the end of the book that it's sort of slapped in your face that how important the character is. Um, because you just think Megan is just going to be a secondary character that you're going to bump into sick bay now and then and you know you'll just see her but not as light relief but she's just going to be a a, an ongoing character within the stories but the way the way it comes about what happens it is just brilliantly written again yeah yeah i couldn't agree more so should we look at how the book ties into other events now yes let's (laughs) (laughs) so you you said it yourself there rods that we're still picking up the pieces or the Federation is still picking up the pieces from the effects of of destiny. And again, we're still feeling that throughout the story really um, in, in so many different ways. And, And I think what's really enjoyable is that we're seeing it from different people's points of view, which I think is really enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, the destiny trilogy was such a massive thing and it was such a, a huge storyline um and there was always going to be fallout from that but not just follow-on stories i really have enjoyed the way that they have gone back and shown 
at least in part, that entire um, series of events from varying different viewpoints. So we've seen it from the viewpoint of the Next Generation crew, we've seen it from Deep Space Nine's point of view, we've seen it from Voyager's point of view, and we are also seeing it in part from different specific characters' points of view. So it just it takes what was already a fantastic storyline and it just rounds it out that much more um, to give you this, to build the universe around and give you this whole world view or, or whole galaxy view, really, of just what a massive event that was. No, I agree. And while we're still talking about tying to other books now, obviously Janeway died before the Destiny crisis, and it's not until Unworthy that Neelix finds out that the Admiral has, has died. And I have to say that, again, it's just so perfectly written. You really do feel the anguish that Balana feels in telling Neelix and how Neelix reacts. Um, I remember when I, when I read this um, both times, the first time I read it and then rereading it for, for the show, um, how emotional it was and and i choked up a little you could because obviously neelix loves janeway um and he really looks up to her and that was just really really powerful i thought yeah and i think anybody who has ever lost a member of their family or somebody that was very close and, and near and dear to them understand that it's not just hearing the news yourself but it's then having to pass that news on to other people. Every time you have to tell somebody else that this person has gone, it's almost it almost sort of rips at, at the wound, and you go through it all all anew. It it it, it makes the wound that much more fresh. So, Balana having gone through all of this, and it's been quite a long time for her since she found out. It it will just be bringing up bringing it all back up for her and and making it all fresh in her mind again and. And so we get to see not just Neelix going through that, but but Balana reliving it herself as well, um, which is very emotional. Um, so I I certainly got the feeling that that Kirsten has has perhaps gone through this herself, um, because there was a level of of insight into how that feels that I think you you only get from having lost somebody. No, absolutely. But it's not just the uh, the other books that this ties into. Obviously, we have the reference here in the uh, the Tom and Blana and Morale storyline that's been running through the Voyager series up until this point. Um, that obviously then ties into the uh, Voyager episodes that we saw where they first encounter the Klingons who believe that Morale is, is the Klingon messiah, for a lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and that that is what has led to this situation where they felt that their only um, recourse was to fake fake their deaths, essentially, and make everybody else think that, that they were gone and, and Balana and Moralf had to go on the run. So it was such a fantastic storyline, but obviously it has its roots in the actual TV show. So this is something that's lived on and moved from the, the TV screen into the novel universe and they've just built on and expanded it. And it's turned into such a great subplot that's that's been running right the way through since it, since it all began. No, I, I agree. Now, Everybody has their own views on Voyager about the series over the seven years. But what's really good is that 
Kirsten hasn't forgotten the series and she's taking the best bits from the best elements from the series and she's using them to enhance her stories and and as you say this this is a great subplot to to use and and throughout the story there there are references to other episodes as well um but this one's used really well so Ros, we're at that point of the the review where we have to talk about what we what we liked and perhaps what we didn't like and and like with full circle it's it's one of those things where I think we 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 love the whole story and we want to shout from the roofs how much we love this story. So so tell us what stood out for you the most. <laughs> well, I am always a big fan of a Kirsten Byer tw- plot twist at the end of a book, and this one does not disappoint. I uh, just had a, jo- a jaw dropping moment at the end there, and uh, I yeah I I just always love the way that she wraps up her books. So. Although I enjoyed the story all the way through, I always look forward to the last couple of uh, chapters of any of Kirsten's books because I think that they're just so much fun. <laughs> uh, I, I agree, Ros, and, and for me what really stood out for me was the character development within the story. Everybody was in voice, I felt, throughout the book. Um, of course, with an ongoing series of novels, you get more time to develop the characters and Kirsten has done this really well again um everyone has a part to play in the story um everyone's character moves along within the context of the story and it just felt so right it it was really really enjoyable and that and that really stood out for me and another part of the story that I really liked was the race we're introduced to the indigene now, forgive me, listeners, if that's the wrong pronunciation, but we all know what I'm like. So I, I, I'm sure Ro- I'm sure Ros will correct me or Kirsten <laughs> will at some point. Now, we don't want to give too much away about this race, but they they really love the Borg, don't they, Ros? They they like the Borg. They want to be part of the Borg. But again, if we go back to the title of the story, we, we find out a lot about these these aliens and they have an interesting story and again it's something you wouldn't expect it, it's a race that likes the borg and, and we we don't see that very often do we if ever no i don't think that we have but again it's just a nice twist on what we're used to isn't it it's it's they were the most feared um villain in in the whole franchise and they were just portrayed as you know bad through and through even even the people who had been freed from the collective would then turn on the borg and say how how awful they were and how terrifying and scary so to now encounter a a race that are are missing them and wishing for them to come back that's uh yeah it's just it defies our expectations and that's that's something that's always nice in a book is when it, it changes up and it it takes you out of your your little comfort zone no i agree and what i really enjoyed was seven's reaction to this it it was just astounding that you know reading how because you felt how seven felt you know how is this possible how can you like this race because everything that seven went through um when she was assimilated and and obviously when janeway found her and her regaining her humanity and 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 seven just can't believe what she's seeing when when Voyager come across this race and I thought that was done perfectly yeah I totally agree 
So, Michael, there were so many things that we loved about this book, and, and we've gone on time and time again about how much we, we love Kirsten and, and her books. For the sake of balance, I'm going to uh, point out something that I wasn't... Not that I didn't like about the book, but maybe I just wasn't as certain about. Um, but, to be honest, <laughs> this feels a little bit like... And I think it was Billy Connolly that did a sketch about this before... You know when they have gymnastics and the gymnast goes and does like a triple somersault with a double backflip and it's so impressive but when they land their foot sticks out to the side a wee bit and they've got to balance themselves and they get points taken off for it and you think oh for goodness sake that was absolutely amazing <laughs> and you're being marked down for this one tiny little nitpicky thing. Well that's kind of how I feel about this book <laughs> because I'm going to point something out that was just tiny little nitpicky but I feel that occasionally for the sake of balance I, I just need to throw something out there that I wasn't as certain about um, just to make it seem that we're not as biased in favour of, of dear <laughs> Kirsten although we do love her so anyway that being said what I wasn't <laughs> what I wasn't as sure about was and it was kind of a good point and a bad point for the book there was just so much packed into this book there was so many different plots and subplots and relationships and little bits going on here and little references back to this book or that book or that tv show and it it bounced about and it was just totally packed to the brim and in some ways that's good but in some ways I just wonder if if it had been spread out a little bit more if some of those relationships or some of those encounters had just been spread out a little bit more maybe over another book or even maybe over a slightly longer novel that there could just have been a little bit more teased out of it um or it maybe just some of these um encounters with with old characters or with some of the you know the side characters it maybe could have just been teased out and we could have just found out a little bit more about what was going on here or there but i know that there are restrictions to how much you can put in and that you need to keep the pace of the book going but i just felt that there was so much crammed in and and sometimes you don't want to um, clutter up the one story too much by trying to have too many things going on all at the one time. But, I mean, I absolutely did love the book, but I just sometimes wor worry with stories like that that have so much going on that perhaps less is more sometimes. I don't know if you agree at all, I just... That was the only thing that struck me, and it's just such a minor thing because I really did enjoy the book. Well, I'm a big believer in in less is more, and I see where you're coming from. It, for example, I, the Seven and Cambridge relationship that could obviously it is it does continue throughout the books, but perhaps them getting to know each other in the sessions and. Perhaps it wouldn't have come together so well if it had all done in this book, if it had been spread out a bit more. That that I can see where you're coming from. That's that's an example I thought. Yeah, I mean, the, did that even make sense? Yeah, no, it it did, and I I understand what you mean. Like, we got snippets of them getting to know each other and of this of the sessions, and had it had it been drawn out a bit more over 
this book maybe if there weren't so many other subplots we could have got more of that and then seen more of them getting to know each other and found out more about both of the characters and that that's the that's all i meant because i really i do love it and i think the pace of the book was was great but sometimes it's just a what if what if there weren't so many things going on in this book could we have seen a bit more of this could we have expanded on that relationship um and i know that they do expand on the relationships in other books but you only get one first date if you know what I mean so even though you see more of the relationship further down the line you you never get to then hear more about those first meetings and that was all I meant is maybe sometimes we rush past a certain point in time and we just don't tease it out quite as much as we would have liked to but again just such a minor criticism and not even a criticism really just a, a point for discussion um that it was a, it would have been a different way to go but overall i think that all the threads being woven together in this plot worked really well Um, it's just there's always that element of maybe we could have seen a little bit more of this or that but uh still cracking book <laughs> can't complain <laughs> No, no, it is. It, it's fantastic. And I, and I have to say that I remember when Unworthy first came out, um, I, I read the story and I thought it was really, really good. But I really enjoyed going back and reading it again. There's a couple of things perhaps I didn't pick up on the first time and, and especially how subtle certain things were and, and um, certain characters and certain plot threads were. So I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm getting to read these books again because I'm getting a whole new appreciation, not just for the story, but also for Kirsten's writing. So it's a great opportunity to do that. And um, I'm really enjoying the process. Yeah, definitely. It's always a joy to be able to go in and read these books and, and have the chance to talk about them and discuss all these, these different things that we liked that the relationships, the characters, the plot development, it's its just so much fun. That's why we do this, Michael. That's why we do the podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Ros, we, we've looked at the story. We've looked at the characters. We, we've discussed how brilliant Kirsten is. What's your overall impressions of Unworthy? I think it was a well-paced book. I think it was absolutely jam-packed with character development. It, it brought some really great new twists to some old relationships and we saw some new ones built up between characters and overall I think it was a great second installment to this series of Voyager novels and it's a great jumping off point for for the ongoing stories so yeah brilliant another another great one from Kirsten can't complain <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Kirsten has done it again. Um, I think Unworthy is a complex story with lots of twists and turns in every page. Um, I felt it moves along at a great pace. It allows the characters to develop without slowing any any part of the story down. I remember in the last show, I couldn't stop saying how well Chakotay had been written and if only he'd been written this well within the series. Now, this time I have to say that Harry Kim really, really stood out for me in Unworthy. The pain his character goes through, everything that happens with himself and Tom and how 
Harry starts to question not just Tom, but the other members of his Voyager family. I, I just thought those were brilliant parts of the story. The idea also of a species wanting to be part of the Borg and admiring the Borg was really, really interesting. And the threat from a potential character within the story that you didn't know was going to happen and how it just hit you towards the end of the story um, was brilliantly written because it did come out of nowhere. Um, Again, we had the familiar Admiral in Starfleet with his own agenda, but Kirsten throws a brilliant curveball, which I didn't see coming, and I don't think a lot of people saw coming. So that was a stroke of genius on her part. Um, And I have to say that Unworthy is an incredible story by an incredible author, and Voyager has never been so good. Here, here. We love Kirsten. (laughs) We do. (laughs) She is great. Come back on the show, Kirsten. (laughs) So, Rods, that was Star Trek Voyager Unworthy. What's next on our book review series? Well, next time, Michael, we are going to be looking at Star Trek Voyager Children of the Storm, which is the third instalment of the new Voyager line from Kirsten Byer. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to start reading the book, and I can't wait for our next review. But before we tell the listeners how they can contact us. Don't forget, go check out our interview with Kirsten. It's really, really good. Roz and I make no apologies for all our gushing, for our going red, for our telling Kirsten how wonderful she is because she is. So go check it out because Kirsten loves it. We love her. So we want to know what you think of it. Isn't that right, Roz? (laughs) That is right. And we do love Kirsten, although we do love all the other um authors as well because we don't want anybody to feel left out or like we're playing favorites we do love them all and it is always such a treat to have them on the show so although we're big fans of the voyager books all of our interviews are great so have we look through and and there's plenty there from plenty fantastic authors (laughs) and that was a brilliant disclaimer well done (laughs) rose that was a great (laughs) i I felt that that was quite good (laughs) (laughs) oh that was brilliant so we love you all (laughs) (laughs) oh so michael how can people get a hold of us so listeners would love to hear from you too you can find us on the website at visionarytrek.com we're also on facebook at facebook.com forward slash visionary trek and you can find us on twitter at visionary trek you can also contact me directly by email on mike at visionarytrek.com or you can find me on Twitter at mclark1701. And you can contact me directly by email at roz, R-O-Z, at visionarytrek.com. Or find me on Twitter at roslynss, that's R-O-S-L-Y-N-S. So that's it for this show. We really hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. And as always, don't forget to turn the page for our next adventure. You've been listening to The Captain's Table 